Okay, I think it's on. I think it'll still be recording in the background because I also need this for my notes. Um, so I'm going to get those open right now. And then I will read through Romans chapter 1. And, um, but first, let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for uh, this morning's Remembrance Feast. We thank you for the opportunity to remember your Son's body broken for us and his blood shed for us. We thank you for the time of fellowship. Pray that you would just bless uh, the reading of your word to our hearts now as we look at Romans chapter 1. We also pray that you would just bless um, me with the words to speak, Father, that you would just fill me up with the words that you would have those gathered here to hear, and just pray that you would just help us all to take from this uh, the time what you would have us to, Father, and hide it in our hearts, Father. We thank you so much for the availability of your word to us here. We thank you for what we can glean from Romans, and we just thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us, and thank you for the gift of your Son, in whose name we pray, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 1. I will be reading in the ESV. I'll read the whole chapter, even though I'm probably only going to cover off on like the first half, give or take. And we will go from there. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want to, you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome." For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I'm going to stop there, actually. I don't think there's too much uh, reason for me to read on if I'm not going to cover those verses. Um, but I guess Casey can take that chunk and anything that he wants to reiterate or add to um, from what I've covered as well. So starting from 16 down. So I'm going to do one. Mark, yeah. Do you want to mention about the, uh, the open platform difference? Yes. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. Um, so I'm going to cover from 1 to 15. So what Casey's talking about is usually 
The first Sunday is my assigned Sunday to speak. The second Sunday is Casey's. The third Sunday, we were doing an open platform. We, we would like to continue to do that, but what we were thinking was because we're doing a topical or a, a book-based study in Romans, we would like, if folks want to speak in the open platform, we would like to, to keep the theme Romans. It doesn't have to be like I tend to do like verse by verse, but in keeping the thoughts in Romans, if it's something that you got from Romans and then it springboards to other parts of the Bible, that's fine. A theme that starts in Romans that you want to add to like different parts of the Bible, that kind of thing is fine. We're just trying it. We think it might help to just tie the the study of Romans in even more instead of three of the Sundays of a four-week month, it's Romans and then one, it's just whatever. Um, But it can still be, again, like, starting in Romans and then kind of branching out to other things. But we think that might be like an interesting thing to try. And it'll keep everybody reading Romans and studying it and focusing in on it. Um, So thanks for the reminder. Lots of reminders. Make sure this is still recording. I think I'm good. It's going to be interesting because it's my notes. So every time I pick it up, it's probably going to be like super loud. So to those listening, I apologize in advance. Let me get my notes up here. And then we'll move on through. So Romans, I'm just going to do a brief introduction, nothing super fancy. It's all probably stuff that you guys already know. It comes right after the book of Acts. Um, And as as we see Paul arriving in Rome at the end of Acts, we see the epistles section of the Bible starting with Romans, um, which makes sense. Sorry, I'm distracted. Wasps are floating around. Um, and in the New Testament here, we have uh, Paul beginning his, uh, this epistle section with his letter to the Romans. It's clearly authored by Paul. You're going to see as we read the book, although it's at the very end, that there's reference to somebody called Tertius. Um, I, would, I would say Tertius, Tertius. I mean, you can say it however you want. Um, if you actually read verse 22 of the last chapter of Romans, it says, I, Tertius, or Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Well, that's because Tertius was Paul's, and I'm going to pronounce this horribly, but um, amanuensis or amanuensis, um, it's someone who basically takes dictation and writes something for someone. So if Paul was saying all of this filled up with the Holy Spirit in his conveyance of this letter to the believers in the Roman um, area, then that person was writing it all down. So he wasn't just, you know, scribbling it down himself. So again, uh, probably doesn't need to say, you know, it starts off with like, I, Paul. So it's, 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 you know, obviously Paul, but again, that's just how that worked as far as um, Tertius being the actual one who penned the letter. And I think it lends credence because he kind of has to be like, hey, I'm the one who wrote this and I also greet you. Um, but before that, a few verses at the end there of the, of the book, it was also like greetings, and that's Paul saying that. Um, but then it's like these other saints also greet you and give my greetings to these specific saints. So actually penned by Tertius, but um, you know, spoken aloud and, and, and written for all intents and purposes by Paul. Um, a high-level outline of the book of Romans could be as follows. Um, this is how it was listed out in McDonald's commentary. I'm not going to go. He actually had the outline breaking down to descriptions of each chapter, but I just wanted to keep it at a high level. There's three, um, 
three main chunks here. So one through eight is the gospel of God, so doctrinal coverage. Chapters nine through 11, um, the gospel in Israel, so dispensational um, notes there. Uh, I think each section there, nine, 10, and 11, take a different view of Israel. Again, according to this, I do have it in front of me so I don't actually misspeak. Um, And again, according to McDonald, Israel's past in chapter 9, Israel's present in chapter 10, and Israel's future in chapter 11. Um, So a neat breakdown there. And then chapters 12 through 16 to finish out the book are the gospel lived out, you know, being dutiful and living out the gospel. So again, there's there's much more of a breakdown um, of what I guess he titled these different chapters. It was kind of like his idea of what they would be called or the major theme in each chapter. Um, the first one is like introduction to the gospel, and that's basically the section that I'm doing. It's chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Um, the gospel defined in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, and then the universal need for the gospel in, in 118 all the way through 320. So there's a big chunk there on that again. It's a very broad topic, and as you'll see, there's lots and lots of um, different application and different thoughts in there, but that's, again, a high-level outline according to McDonald. So as we jump into the first chapter, um, we see Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Um, I thought this was interesting. I'm going to deviate just for a second to talk about this. Um, because there was a footnote in the Bible, and when I clicked on it, it was uh, for the contextual rendering of the Greek word duolos, see the preface. So I was like, that's weird, because usually it just describes what the word is right there, or it gives me some sort of like, um, you know, indication of like, this actually means bondservant and not just servant. So Paul, again, in the ESV, a servant of Christ Jesus, um, it's more accurately rendered a bondservant. But what was in the preface of the ESV was actually like a little um, PSA, public service announcement type thing about like slavery, because it's just like a servant or a slave. And it's like talking about how the Bible has themes of slavery and, you know, that there's negative connotation with like, you know, 19th century American slavery and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, what's going on here? Like, are they kind of like, I don't know. It was very interesting Um, Because I was looking for like a word definition and I'm like, slavery existed, you know, good, bad or otherwise, like no no one's condoning, you know, any specific facet of it. But this is historical record. And in, in, in the Middle Eastern countries here, we have record of slavery. We also have record of people who were bond servants by choice. They chose to serve masters whom they love. They wanted to serve them. I think the Lord Jesus Christ can be viewed as such because he served his father and was faithful to his father. Um, he served those around them out of love and out of grace and mercy. Um, they didn't own him, you know. We own him as Lord. We want him to own us. We want to be slaves to Christ, um, you know, in every sense of the word. So uh, taking the negative connotation out of it, I just wanted to touch on that quick because it kind of threw me a little bit um, in the very beginning of my study. But as, as we think about being a servant or a slave or a bondservant to Christ— then I think you can bring in every aspect of it, you know, every positive aspect of what that could potentially mean. I'm wholly devoted uh, and dutiful to Christ in that regard. 
He completely owns me and I act as if he owns me because I've given myself to him in that regard. Um, you know, the other neat aspect there is that he didn't, he didn't just take that. He didn't just say, you have no choice in the matter. I own you now. He gave us that opportunity to say, I, I want to give my, my, my life to you and, 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 and have you come into my heart. And now I am, you know, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Oh, nice. I think Don got that wasp. Thanks. Now I can concentrate a little more. Um, so Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, in Acts 13, um, you don't have to turn there, um, Barnabas and Saul were set apart as commanded by the Holy Spirit and sent off. So that's, that's the next thought here. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart. So he's a servant or a bond servant. He's called and he's set apart. So there's three kind of positional things, right? He's a, he's a, he's a bond servant of Christ Jesus, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was called by Christ to be an apostle and he's been set apart for the gospel of God. And it's a neat thought to think about we're basically in the same boat, right? We're, we're, we're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and we should act as such. I mean, there's definitely application and uh, a pricking of the conscience that should happen there for us to be acting as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day um, and each and every minute if we truly are. Um, but we were also called to this and we should act and be set apart. So what does that mean to be set apart? Again, Acts 13, that just kind of tells where the Holy Spirit kind of comes and says, hey, Barnabas and Saul, I want them to be set apart. And then they laid hands on them, they prayed for them, and they sent them off to do the work uh, uh, of the Lord. And that was as commanded by the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of practical application in the thought of being set apart because you're basically removed and you're set aside to do the work of the Lord in this case, and you're standing out, you're set apart from the general populace. I think, um, I'm trying to remember specifically where in Revelation, but I think I talked about this a little bit, or maybe it was even in the break from Revelation where we did kind of like the holiday messages for a bit. Um, but being set apart, there's, there's some stuff we're going to touch on a little bit later that talks about their testimony, and their testimony as people viewed it through their faith. Their faith was so visible and prominent that it spread all over the place and nothing else really needed to be said about it. It's actually said of the Thessalonian church the same way, maybe even more so, and we'll touch on that verse, that your, your faith has spread so far that we don't need to say anything else. I'm paraphrasing heavily, but that's basically what it means. And so the testimony or the witness that was, was propagated or created by their faith was extremely powerful. Um, and that's something that we're going to look at here. But standing out in such a way that you are noticed and looked at, I think last time I had mentioned like people will notice if you're not doing what they are doing and what the rest of the crowd is doing. If you're swimming against the flow, that'll stand out and they will notice that. Now, the temptation there and what Satan would like is to be like, you're a weirdo. You should be doing what they're all doing. 
why don't you conform and get in line? Then you'll be comfortable. Everyone will be comfortable. They'll be comfortable. Yay, everyone's happy. Um, But that's not what the Lord is asking us to do. Paul says a little bit later, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you go out to a bunch of unbelievers and start talking about this stuff, it can get embarrassing because they don't want to hear it and they don't like you for it. So are we going to be ashamed of it and say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm not, this is not the right setting. This is not the right crowd. Paul is not about that life. He said, I am so excited to come and see you guys so that we can mutually encourage one another when I come to Rome. But also I would like to preach to the, to the unbelievers there. I'd like to preach with you guys together to reach more people there. Um, regardless of like, come what may. And we know that Paul eventually does go to Rome. It's not a, not a vacation per se. Um, you know, he's kind of in, in prison and in chains or whatever, but, um, you know, it's the Lord works everything out and his heart is to serve the Lord. We're going to look at that as well. Um, in a little bit here. So called to be an apostle and set apart specifically for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. How did he do that? Directly, in a couple of, probably lots of cases, but in a couple of cases that I wrote down, you don't have to turn there. Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is a no-brainer. There's not like, well, if you read that one this way, it could be like, no, that's a hundred percent. Like the first one that I read, you know, raise up a prophet from among your brothers. You shall listen to him. Like that could be another prominent prophet or disciple from among the brothers. But the Isaiah one, it's like, okay, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, born of a virgin. There, there's, you know, there's no way anybody could come in and, and kind of cast shade on that. But also, it's done in types and in symbols. The ark, we know all the different types, the brass uh, serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. Um, the entire sacrificial system in the Old Testament with the blood uh, paying for sins and how it was only a temporary and uh, you know, typified system compared to the, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that paid for sin uh, in a perfect way and completely. Um, so, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. Um, we also looked at this in Revelation, which is neat when we study a book and another book back to back because there's even ties there where I'm trying to remember I think it was the verse that says, I am the, the, the descendant and the root of David. It's like, well, how can you be both? If you're, if you're a, a distant descendant of David and he's in your upline, how are you the root of that as well? Well, he's the alpha and the omega. Like, we know that. He's the beginning and the end. Um, he's God and he's man. So it kind of speaks of his godhood and his deity, but also his humanity. And this is very similar. Here, as we look at verses three and four kind of together, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. The fact that it says according to the flesh means that there's more. So what else? According to the spirit and according to the spirit of holiness, he was declared to be the son of God in power. 
by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then verse five, through whom we have grace, received grace and apostleship to bring out about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So grace and apostleship both received through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Acts 20, 21, again, you don't need to turn to these verses. You can either write down the reference or just listen. Um, That reads, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of the repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And also, verse 24, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The reason... I wrote those down was because Paul said, set apart for the gospel of God. He was set apart for the work of the Lord. And here we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So those, those conveyances and acts, those verses and acts that I just mentioned, that was kind of his, his mission, right? That was Paul's mission. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And in that previous section, it says testifying to both Jews and Greeks. And we know here that he says, I am under obligation to both Greeks and Jews. That's in this chapter in verse 14. I am under obligation to both Greeks and, I'm sorry, not Jews, but Greeks and barbarians, so Gentiles in this case, um, to both the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So I thought it was neat as you look down through this, like if, if I tend to write somebody a letter, it's usually comprised of two parts. I tell them a lot about me and how I'm doing, And then I ask them about them and how they're doing. And if they write me back a letter, it's probably like, you asked me a bunch of questions about me. Here's how I'm doing. And let's talk a little bit more about what you said. But as you read this, look at the number of times in these first, I don't know, five, seven, eight, ten verses where it's like Christ Jesus, the gospel of God, the son of God in power, the son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, for God is my witness, the gospel of his Son, um, by God's will. Like, it's it's just nonstop. It points back to God and God and God and Jesus Christ and God and the Trinity. And it's not Paul saying, like, I did this and I did that and then I'm gonna do this and it's all about me and blah, blah, blah. Like, of course, he's, he's sharing and conveying you know, his desire to be with them and how he's kind of been sidetracked by a bunch of different things. But it's, it's almost like, and I know this is not the case, I'm just kind of generalizing, but like almost every other word is like God and Jesus Christ is constantly pointed back to God. And that's another thing that we can kind of take from this. That's, that's how we should live our lives. I'm not saying, you know, make every other word God and Jesus Christ. If the time calls for it, sure. But live in such a way that you're constantly pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ um, in, in little practical day-to-day application. Um, I'm not always the best at this, but we lose stuff at the house and Bethany is a lot of times like, let's pray about it. 
immediately my mind is off of like, where are the keys or where's Sammy's toy or whatever? And like back, I'm grounded on God again, you know, and, and yeah, let's give it to him because he takes care of us and all the thoughts and all the blessings that come with that. And that's just an off the top example, but there's many, many ways to do that in our day-to-day lives. So that was just an interesting thing as I was studying through this and reading through this that I noticed is just the amount of times that Paul turns everything back to God and turns everything back to the Lord and gives him all the honor and glory. And it's only by his grace. And I'm doing this because of him and for him and by his power and all of those things. Um, And let's, let's take a page out of that book and let's live like that, right? So... Let me see where I'm at. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. Yeah, so verse six, um, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. This was just another kind of thin tie that I made to Revelation because we had read it so recently um, and had gone through the study of it. Um, But those in, in chapter 17, verse 14 of Revelation, it says, they will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is the Lord of Lord, uh, lords and king of kings and those with him are called chosen and faithful. Those called to belong to Jesus Christ. Um, so again, just thinking of allying yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and kind of like we had thought about this morning even being inside of the city and not being outside of the city, not having aligned yourself with the beast or with the servants of um, of the beast and, and, and choosing to side with them against God, arrayed against God. Um, again, another side note, maybe calling back to the overarching theme of this um, epistle, but to all those in Rome, some epistles you'll see, I think we're going to talk again about Thessalonians, like I mentioned, that's the, the church of the Thessalonians, a specific church or a specific set of churches. This is to all the believers, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, there in verse seven, to all those in Rome who are loved by God. This is to all the believers in Rome. Another interesting little aside, which McDonald talked about in his commentary here on Romans chapter one, specifically in regard to verse seven, was that this is kind of like Paul's classic greeting, grace to you and peace. So grace and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I didn't deep dive on the etymology and strongs, but the note here was that grace, um, uh, charis has more, um, I don't know if it's Charis or Charis. I'm going to say it wrong, but obviously there's a, reading the announcements for Jean this morning, there's a direct uh, tie to, to Charis and her name. Um, but grace there has more of a Greek emphasis. But peace, shalom, that's, that's the traditional Jewish greeting. Um, and even in that, there was the thought brought out that as mentioned by Paul a little bit later on, and as we've already talked about, his, his mission given to him by the Holy Spirit, given to him by Jesus Christ and by the Lord God, was to preach the gospel to everyone, to, to the Gentiles, to the Jews, um, 
you know, his mission was to preach to the Gentiles and the barbarians, you know, to everyone. So the greeting there with a Jewish leaning and with a Gentile leaning, a little bit of a Greek leaning as well, um, McDonald kind of just called that out as, as interesting, that it kind of represented that, that dichotomy of his audience and of his, his kind of ministry and his mission there um, in verse 7. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is another neat thing. Um, he says, first, so he's not jumping right in. Um, if you're to read all throughout Romans, there are some things that he admonishes the believers there with. There are some things that he encourages them with that they could work on, that they could do to keep in mind. But he doesn't start with that. He doesn't just like come in and say, you know, hey, Mark, you know, you, you should have bought those, those cups sooner so we didn't run out of little communion cups or something like that. Um, but instead, he starts with something that sharpens iron. He starts with something that builds them up. He starts with something that says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing, I mention you. And again, just a beautiful encouragement. That was actually from this first half, if you want to call it that, of chapter one, that was, if I had to pick one word that summed up the way that I felt when I came away from studying this, it was encouragement. Because Paul's desire is to be with the believers in Rome. And he starts off by saying that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And then I think quickly, so that it doesn't sound like, well, I need to come there to help you guys out and give you this spiritual gift and give you this enlightenment and strengthening. He says, so that we may be mutually encouraged. So it's not just, yeah, I got to come and help you guys out because, you know, I'm, I'm Paul and, you know, I could probably teach you a couple things here and there. He wants to be mutually encouraged. He wants to go there and learn from them and teach them and, and vice versa, symbiotic and, and in general, just fellowship and enjoy one another's um, company as brothers and sisters in Christ and believers together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and that, to me, is encouraging. It's encouragement. It's kind of like what we do and the importance of it in between our meetings. We meet and the very first thing we do, which in my opinion is the most important uh, on Sunday morning, is we remember the Lord Jesus Christ. We start with Christ. We give thanks for the, the bread that represents his body broken for us. We give thanks for the cup that reminds us of his blood shed for us. We start with the remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. But after we do that and we pray, then we have a time of fellowship. And there is a great amount of importance, I would say, in fellowship and fellowshipping together with the saints um, and the encouragement that can come from that. Um, even after sometimes we do these messages, I love to see the discussion that takes place after where people are introducing different thoughts and um, I hope we can get back to Bible studies because there's so much benefit of the fellowship and, and especially centered around the word of God, but also just around our lives and sharpening each other and encouraging each other and praying for each other. Um, and that was the encouragement that I was um, 
kind of encouraged, not to, not to be uh, silly here, um, by in reading this, because I just, I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there when Paul uh, would go to Rome and be there with these believers and just, you know, had written letters to them and finally able to see them and um, they're encouraging one another and um, building one another up in the faith. Despite circumstance, maybe Paul is in prison, maybe there's um, persecution and there's hardship and all of those types of things, but nevertheless encouraging one another um, in the faith and in the Lord Jesus. So I actually, I actually had to kind of draw out, I probably didn't have to, I'm just a nerd, but I drew out a, um, something that we do at work in uh, business performance and what I do specifically with process improvement is you draw out a flow chart for a process. Um, so like the, the existing state of a process before we improve it and automate it, I want to understand what the steps of the process are. So first I take this file, then I, you know, or I download it from this website and then I transform it and then I have to upload it to this other website. Then this other person has to review it and you would put all those little process flows and decision matrix and all this stuff. I just did a little mini process flow of, um, of Paul. He makes mention of the Roman believers in his prayers ceaselessly. We know that from reading this. For God is my witness, and who else could be his witness for something this intimate between him and God? As God is his witness, um, without ceasing, he mentions them in his prayers. So that was my first thing. He makes mention of the Roman believers in his prayers ceaselessly. And then I drew an arrow to the next box, and I said, well, why? Because he asks if by God's will... He could come to, to, to visit them. And he asks in God's will. He doesn't say, I want to do this. Please make it work so that I can do this tomorrow. It's almost like the Lord Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It was probably his will to go as soon as possible and see them and be encouraged and encourage them. But he's asking if by God's will, he could visit them. And as you can read here, but thus far in verse 13 have been prevented. Now, was he prevented by himself or was he prevented by unfortunate circumstance or travel bans or anything weird like that? I think he was prevented by following the Lord's actual will for his life. The Lord, as he had dedicated himself and devoted himself to what the Lord wanted him to do, which was to preach the gospel to those who needed to hear it, the Lord wanted him to go to these other places. He, he didn't need him in Rome right at that time um, to be there with them. And that's an awesome takeaway for us is he was so desirous to go and be there with them, but nevertheless, he completely submitted himself to the will of the Lord and the leading of the Lord. And he went and he did what it was that the Lord wanted him to do. Even though when you look at, you know, the, at face value, Going and seeing a bunch of believers, is, that's a really good thing. And wanting to preach to the people in Rome, that's a really, really good thing. It's not like he was like, well, I just wanted to go waste a bunch of time over here or do a hobby or something like that, and I was prevented. Um, you know, I wanted to go do this thing that would further the kingdom of God in all, you know, in all rights, but God had other plans for him at the time in each of those circumstances where it says that he had thus far been prevented from doing that. Um, but he had submitted himself to the leading 
of God, and he did what God wanted him to do. Um, But why did Paul ask if by God's will he could come to them? Well, he wished that he could impart a spiritual gift to strengthen them. That was my next little box. Why or what happened after that? And I wrote, I wrote it this way. This may not be the conveyance. This may not be the reason. But I just thought that lest he seem superior, and I think he does write this way a lot, you know, may it never be, lest this, you know, that they may be mutually strengthened and encouraged. So again, I, I touched on this already, but that was in my, my, my flow chart. Um, so I wanted to mention it again that he says this, that I, may, that I may impart a spiritual gift to strengthen you, but it's not just, you know, I'm here to show you guys how it's done. You know, I also need that. You know, I'm just like you guys. The, you know, I've submitted myself to the will of the Lord, but I need encouragement and strengthening as well. When I go to these places and see you guys there and your, your faith is talked about in all the land, that encourages me, you know? So I think for him to go around and see the growth of the gospel, it's just a continued encouragement and they encourage another and it continues to kind of stoke the fire um, of excitement and passion for the, the, the furthering of the gospel and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I already touched on all this stuff about um, making sure that the Lord and the desire to serve the Lord comes first in our life, even amongst other things that are there with good intentions, even spiritually good intentions, but still making sure that what the Lord wants us to do is paramount. And how do we know what the Lord wants us to do? Well, we have to spend time with him in prayer and we have to spend time with his word, I think, in order to figure out that stuff. Right, and make sure that we do that. Otherwise, we're not going to know. Um, and I think I had a reference to chapter 15. Again, you don't have to turn there. Verse 18. Um, in regard to this, let me just see. 15 verses 18 to 22. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I made it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. And so Paul himself kind of spells it out later there, you know, so that there is no doubt, no shadow of a doubt that that's exactly the reason why he's been hindered. It's not, he's not even interested in coming to a place, although he said he wanted to do it, and there could definitely be additional souls one for Christ and additional benefit, not only for the, the, the unsaved there, but also for the, the believers and the encouragement that could take place with having Paul there. But his, his will or his desire was to do the will of God. And the spirit was leading him to places where, you know, again, according to this reading here in chapter 15, that Christ wasn't already named there wasn't already a bunch of churches planted there. The seed hadn't been sown there. 
Um, but those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never been heard will understand. He wanted God to use him to take God's word to people groups that had never heard the word and heard the good news of the gospel. And that's the reason why he was so often hindered from coming to them. Verse 14 I thought was really neat because of the wording used there. I am under obligation. Um, I think, especially given the, the current environment, if you stumbled upon a cure for COVID, like a 100% cure, and no one else knew about it, you just discovered it. I think you would feel personally obligated to share that with the world, a cure for cancer, a cure for Ebola, something like that. Wouldn't you feel obligated to share that with the world, the general populace, for the betterment of, of mankind? You know, that would be the right thing to do. It's a weird way to think of that or say it, but we know the cure for eternal spiritual death. We know the cure to something that's much worse than cancer, much worse than COVID, much worse than Ebola, much worse than all of those things combined because those things kill the body. But dying in your sins, spiritual death, the death of a soul is leagues more important. And we should feel as obligated as somebody who might have just stumbled upon a complete cure for cancer to share that with the world, much more so, in fact, we should. Because we can share that good news with someone, and if they come to know the Lord Jesus, they've been saved from an eternity in hell. So do I live like that each and every day? No, but the encouragement is there that if we're able to share that cure, quote-unquote, the, the, the salvation that comes with accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that, that, should, that should fill us up you know, to the point where we want to share that with other people. Um, and as Paul is saying here, the people that might not have heard it otherwise, you know, let's let God use us to be that vehicle to share the good news of the gospel to them. And then you see there as he ends it out, I'm under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians um, or non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So that's where, that's where I wanted to finish up today. Again, that's just the first 15 verses of the first chapter of Romans. Um, a little intro and then just some thoughts from those verses um, let's keep that application in the forefront of our minds that we would act as if we're called and set apart for the gospel of God and filled up with a desire to share, you know, again, in a weird way of saying it or thinking about it, what ultimately is the cure or the answer to spiritual death with the people around us, um, to share with them the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and also enjoy and look forward to the time that we can fellowship together with one another and with fellow believers um, to sharpen one another as iron does iron 
and to lift one another up and to build one another up together. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, the Lamb of God. We thank you that his precious blood paid for our sins. We thank you that his body bore our sins on the tree. And we thank you, Father, for all that that means to us, the joy that we can have. We thank you that we could call one another brothers and sisters in Christ, join heirs. We thank you that we can encourage one another and be encouraged by one another. We just pray a blessing on uh, ourselves as a group uh, of believers, Father, Twin Tiers Bible Fellowship, that you would guide and direct us and cause us corporately together to see your will for us as an assembly, and that you would have us, um, what you would have us to do, Father, and that we would put that first and foremost above everything else. And also similarly in our personal lives, Father, that you would help us to do that, to seek your will first and foremost above all other things. Um, and make sure that even if we have good intentions to do things, that if they're not your will, that we seek your will first. Father, we just pray that you would encourage us to go out with boldness to share the gospel and to live like we're set apart for you, Christ. We just thank you for your, your many blessings once again and for each and everyone here this morning. Thank you for the reading of your word. Pray that you would bless it to our hearts. And we just praise and thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.